Welcome to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Each week on this program, Jeff and his guests share their expertise, personal anecdotes, and the latest industry news to keep you in the loop. Now to provide you with insight and help you navigate the consistently changing world of real estate lending, here is your host for The Mortgage Voice, Jeff Barton. Welcome. This is Jeff Barton, and you are listening to The Mortgage Voice. The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton. That's me, available on demand and on the air. Anytime you need to find the latest mortgage information, you can find us immediately on the tube. We upload the version every show, every show, every week, and you can go to YouTube to find that. Just search The Mortgage Voice. You can also listen to the show on demand with your mobile devices via any podcast partners, Apple, Google, Podcasts, Spreaker, IO Clips, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Plus, we're still available on traditional radio, five stations, three different states, in a number of markets. So, Inland Empire, Las Vegas, Albuquerque, and Lake Tahoe. Tune in and get educated. I'm Jeff Barton. This is the Mortgage Voice. Thanks very much for tuning into the show and welcome. Okay, a lot of things going on. I always like to talk about the, the, the larger aspects of what's going on in the mortgage market, both here in the U.S. Or, and around the world. What's going to affect, really, some of the decisions you make, even though you may not realize that that's exactly what's happening. One of those things, of course, is inflation. As we talked about during the last show, inflation is many, many things and has how inflation is looked at and perceived is really how political choices are made in the country. Now, political choices in the country being made today or last week, last year, 10 years ago, and certainly in the next election cycle is definitely going to affect either your employment or um, how much you're going to pay in taxes. And certainly, who works at the Fed? And the Fed right now is ruling the roost when it comes to mortgage interest rates. Uh, we all know that the 10-year Treasury is what drives the rates, at least locally, and what we're trying to figure out and what we're trying to do in order to tell you uh, what's happening. So look to the 10-year. Look to what's happening at the Fed. And uh, in the most part, what's been happening lately is we've seen a rise. We've seen a rise in the 10-year, and we've seen the Fed come out aggressively and saying, we're going to raise short-term interest rates to our member banks so that when they lend that money back out to you, they have to raise their rates. If we raise our rates, they're going to raise their rates. And effectively, uh, it's going to cost you more money to do what you want to do. Now, why is this important? Because inflation, what they call cost of bread, what it costs you to uh, rent your apartment, how much it's going to cost you to fill your tank with gas, all of these things are inflation-driven items. For years, I would say decades almost, we haven't really seen inflation beyond 2% a year. Now, most people don't recognize 2% a year. There are some things that have gone up, uh, way more than 2% a year, way more than the 7% that we have seen people um, taking to the streets over uh, recently with the inflation jump uh, based on year-over-year averages of what inflation is. Now, some of the things that have been inflationary that aren't inflationary any more than anything else today, but over the years has really gone up. If you're a smoker, you know what I'm talking about. What's a Daryl, what's a pack of cigarettes cost? What do you think? I think it's between eight and ten dollars a pack. You got pack. that right. Eight to ten bucks, and half of that is tax. Last time I spoke, they were eighty cents. It's, it's exactly when when I was a kid, and I've told this too on the on air before. Twenty five cents for a pack of smokes. Now, granted, this is back in the fifties, but still, 
What's the difference between growing a leaf of tobacco today and growing a leaf of tobacco back in the 50s, other than more government regulation? And by the way, I'm all for government regulation of somebody else. Just leave me alone. You know what I mean? I, I get involved with the government and what they want, and this is the time of year where they want it from everybody, every state, every municipality, every um, U.S., uh, the IRS, the state governments, all want taxes, all want reports, all want information. And, and the reality is, unless you do it, you are going to be in trouble and they're going to find you more. So you got to do it. So there's a lot of stress in the business community, especially in the reporting industries. And I happen to be in one of those in the mortgage business. So cigarettes is one of the things that has been inflationary. Another thing that really has gone up uh, quite a bit, and people don't really think about it that much, is alcohol. Alcohol, six-pack of beer, what do you think that costs? Daryl, got oh, any idea? Man, no, I, I really don't. Okay, so a six-pack of beer used to be six bucks. bucks, right? Yeah. Maybe six bucks. Try 15 to 20, and that that's Whoa. not the greatest of beers. You could pay a case of beer. You can pay 50, 60 bucks for a case of beer, depending on what kind of beer you buy. What about those lucky 11-ounce jobs? Right? Oh, I have, you know, you want to go to the 40s yes. or whatever else people drink nowadays, which I have no idea, because you and I share the same habit. We don't. Yeah. So, you know. You know, it's actually illegal to sell 40s in a lot of places. Well, just because, right? Just because. They don't want people drinking that harder. Fits uh, in your pocket. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Ready to run. So these two items, now granted, they call them vices. For some people, they're just, you know, getting up in the morning but why should these people be immune to inflationary pressures? Um, they're not. But they substitute, I'm not going to do this in order to do this. So there has been a trade-off. And now, I, these are sort of silly examples. Main example that you got to look to is, is uh, gasoline prices, which are kind of up and down all over the place for the past 20, 25 years. And you're going back into the 70s, you're talking about lines down the block to, to pay for to get for you know uh, a little bit of gas but today what's happening with the inflation with gas is that we have an under productive gas sector what does that mean that petroleum oil is not being pumped out of the ground as much as it was now there's a lot of people that blame biden administration i don't know whether it's his fault or not but they say that pipeline, you know, that famous pipeline, which I don't really understand how a pipeline from Canada is going to help what happens here in the U.S., especially when they're not pumping any additional oil in Canada. It just makes the travel a little bit easier, maybe a little cheaper. But that's inflationary uh, pressure as well. Now, these have all been negative sort of inflationary pressures. How about your house? When was the last time... now? There's 51 million mortgages in the U.S., 51 million. Three people a house, that's 150 million people who have seen over the past three years their house appreciate almost 30 to 50% depending on where you live. That's inflation. Anybody complaining about that? Nope, not a soul. These are the same people, my opinion, who would complain about paying for the extra gas, the, the, the more money. And I'm not saying I, I'm agreeing with it, but inflation works both ways. The same Fed that fed money to people so that, that they could get through the COVID pandemic are the same people who are applauding 
the fact that their house went up 30 to 50 percent in value, but complaining that they got to pay another 50 cents to a dollar for a gallon of gas. 150 million people, 51 million mortgages. Now, there is probably an additional 10 million people who have no, uh, don't owe anything on their house. All they're doing is watching their value of their house go up. They're happy as heck. Most of them are my age group, the over 65 crowd. So that's another inflationary item. Now, I think inflation itself is not a great thing, but I think a certain amount of inflation is. Last week, I talked about wage inflation. Don't you want your kids to earn more money than you did? Don't you want your $12 an hour kid who's working some job locally make 15 bucks an hour? By the way, that's mandated in the state of California now. Everybody's got to pay at least $15 an hour. There are a number of tiers for salaried workers as well. Yes, I bit the bullet. Yes, I'm not happy about it. But yes, I can afford it and paid for it. So in a state like California, we have 39 million people. Half of those number of people own homes. The inflationary pressures on those are mixed. Some good, some bad. I have a running fight with a guy on uh, Instagram. Continually, he's a big Trump guy. I'm not a big Trump guy. I'm not a big Biden guy. I'm a guy that would look at something and say, does this make sense or does it not make sense? Not just be angry because I don't like it. One of the things that I think makes sense is the fact that if people are making huge sums of money on their house, or here's another one, their stock portfolio, how far has that gone up in the last, well, let's see, at the last, uh, we're 30 seconds left, I'll, I'll make it quick. In 2008, what was the stock market? Do you remember? No. 7,300. Do you know what it is today? 30,000. 35,000. Okay, so if you had your money, that's how many years ago was that? 13? Yeah. 14 years ago? So if you held your money in the stock market and played the stock market, just the average for the last 14 years, you've just seen your money rise by, I don't know. 400%. Yes, thank you very much. So some inflations are good and some are bad. Anyway, let's talk about real estate. We'll talk about it next segment. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton. We'll be right back with more in just a moment. For more information on today's topic, email Jeff Barton at info at malibufunding.net. Now, back to The Mortgage Voice with your host, Jeff Barton. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Jeff Barton. I'm your voice in the mortgage industry. Our show is available whenever and wherever you need information, even if it's right away to fit your busy schedule. Hey, we make it easy to listen or watch the show. Find our episodes on demand from our website at themortgagevoice.com. We're also on SoundCloud at The Mortgage Voice and our Mortgage Minute weekly program, always available on YouTube and in podcast form wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podclips.io, and Spotify, and more. Thank you very much again, Jeff Barton from The Mortgage Voice. Thanks for listening to the show. We try to bring to you some information that is useful to you. Uh, Many, many times I can drone on about the macro, what's going on in the world, and it can get somewhat esoteric, i.e., how does that really affect me? Well, this next guest actually has information that can help you, and and she'll be the best one to explain that. It's Lori Preach from Spring EQ. Lori, how are you? I'm good, Jeff. How about yourself? I'm okay. Thank you very much. It's actually a very busy start to January. How are you seeing it? Um, Extremely busy. I think the busiest I've been in the last three years. Wow. 
that you say that, it makes me feel somewhat good, but also somewhat scared. I don't know how much more. I mean, we've been at capacity, I think, for, you know, at least 18 months. Uh, I think my staff is about ready to revolt. How, how are you all handling the volume? <laughs> um, we're handling it fine. We've been staffing up over the last few months. Great. Just waiting for this day. So <laughs> Great. it's here and we're ready. Okay, excellent. Now, I had asked you off air about uh, uh, a couple of the products that you were offering, and I'd like you to explain them because I was excited about it, but if I try to explain it, I'm going to screw it up. So if you would, please, that would be great. Okay. So Springy Q Home Equity is a home equity lender, and so what that means is that we don't do any first mortgage refinances. We strictly help homeowners access their home equity. Right. And we also help them purchase homes with less money down by using our seconds in substitution for some of their down payment. Um, and with the recent rates um, increase on the first mortgage side, that's why we've gotten so busy over the last few weeks. Um, we offer a home equity line of credit, and we also offer a fixed rate fully amortizing second. And both are equally popular and serve a lot of purposes. Now, we have had a run-up in the amount of equity in homes. Do you see people coming to you who have a first mortgage already or are looking to buy, how, how do your customers come to you and what is your ideal or your, I guess, the profile of the typical client? So we have customers come to us for um, all of the reasons you just said. Uh-huh. Uh, we even have people who have their homes owned free and clear and want to be able to access their home's equity without having to sell their home. So we call that a first position HELOC. We have a lot of people doing the purchase transactions, and we have a lot of people um, just doing cash out um, instead of touching their first mortgage. Okay, so the, all of these are terrific, especially with the, the equity in homes. Do you see that uh, the qualifying is any, any more difficult than it would be, say, for a first lien mortgage? What are the qualifying aspects of the loan? I would say it's probably a little bit easier to qualify than it would be on a first mortgage loan. We do it the old-fashioned way, uh -huh. people making the decisions instead of the computers. Okay. And I would say our guidelines are probably more liberal than the first mortgage world in most cases. Um, we do credit scores as low as 640. Wow. And we okay. go all the way up to 97.5% of the home's equity, so we can lend almost 100% financing. Um, but the majority of the clients that we see, believe it or not, have a lot of equity. I mean, the amount of equity run-up in homes uh -huh. over the last year is astronomical, and I don't think there's ever been a time in modern history where people have had so much equity built up so quickly in their homes. Now, you and I w love that because it means that, that people, obviously, it, it's proven out, right? Real estate is the quickest way to make it in America. But what do you say to people who, who say, hey, that's inflation too? You know, I, I've been harping on the fact that there's good inflation out there, and this is part of it. Yes, this is the, this is the good inflation. Right. Um, people have a lot of wealth tied up into their homes, right. which is awesome. Um, that makes this uh, time in the mortgage history different than the last time people had a ton of equity in their homes in the 2007 and 2008 at that Time people were buying their homes with no money down, and in this period of time, people are for the most part putting 20% down and then getting that extra equity boost um, with the home appreciation. So it's a great position for homeowners to be in, and a lot of people do want to be able to use that money for home improvements. A lot of people want to pay off debt, right? And people want to use it for investment. So it's a great opportunity for a lot of people, 
but I just want to caution people, be smart about it. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree. And uh, one, of, one of the things that I think was the issue or problem back in the day when we had just the, you know, the worst, uh, the problem with the mortgage industry is the appraisals. Now, how are you handling appraisals? Do, do they get done desktop appraisals? Do you actually send a full appraisal out if someone's looking to um, uh, get either a home equity line of credit or a second? So um, the type of appraisal depends upon the type of loan and the credit scoring CLTV. So we can start with an, an automated valuation model, which is just a statistical analysis of the home. And we do that in some cases. Other cases, we'll order a drive-by exterior appraisal so nobody comes in the house, which is great during the time right. of COVID. And then for loan amounts above 250, uh, we do require a full interior appraisal unless the borrowers have an appraisal that's dated less than 12 months old in PDF format that they can give us. If they have that, we can use that instead of doing any of the other choices. Oh, that's a good thing. And are you having difficulty finding appraisers in all the places you're doing business? Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we are definitely having a difficult time with appraisals, and that's why the automated valuation model is so important, because right. we can take the appraiser out of the equation. Right, and you said, what was, what was the dollar limit on that? Uh, $250,000. Okay, and that's a lot of equity, right, in a home, 250000 Right, right. Yeah, I just uh, was reading today online that the average home price in America is over $400,000, and I would say a great majority of people who have a home that's worth that probably has pretty good equity since, you know, we saw equity rise over the last two years by 20 25%. The demand for cash to live, um, are you seeing it? As that, or are you seeing it more as, you know, I need to invest in my son's education or I have medical issues? Is it is it more than that or is it that only? What are people using this money for? Uh, they use it for all kinds of purposes. My favorite one is I love when people use it for debt consolidation. Right. Because if, if, if somebody's carrying 50000 or more in debt between their cars and their credit cards and maybe they already have a home equity loan, they save so much money by consolidating that into a new second mortgage without touching that low rate first. So that's my favorite because yep. there's a real need, a real benefit, and everybody kind of wins on that. I agree. Um, otherwise, I... we see, yeah, we see a lot of people uh, doing it for home improvements. It's a lot yep. easier and cheaper to do a home equity loan than to do a construction. Sure um, it is. And with home prices going up like they are, a lot of people are deciding to stay where they are and add that bathroom, redo that kitchen rather than pay that new higher price down the street. So that one's very popular as well. Hey, tell me a little bit about the cost. Uh, some of the rates, uh, as we know, rates have been going up. They also go up in your uh, particular product, or are you pretty steady with the rate because, you know, it's just a different kind of product? Yeah, we haven't had a rate increase during the last 30 days when the first mortgage market has changed. Right. Um, because it's a different investor pool, it doesn't fluctuate like the first mortgage rates do. Right. Um, in general, adjustable rate HELOCs are a lower rate than the fixed rate product. Um, and so each customer has to look at which product is best for them, depending on what the use of the money is. Right. Um, I personally like the fixed rate product. I think long term that's a safer bet. Um, but some people only want access to some money now with the ability to access more later, and that's where the equity line is a better Choice. Yeah, I, interesting. You know, that that's something that I would always have to think about because I like having the idea that um, 
the money's there, but I don't I don't get charged unless I use the money. That's what the program is. Yes, right. I, yeah, I do like right. that. But at the at the same time, I like having cash in the bank too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I always say that if you're if you're using the cash out to pay off debt, yep. I highly recommend the fixed rate um, because if you're the type of consumer that makes the minimum payment and you take a HELOC, you're going to also make the minimum payment and you won't really get anywhere. But the fixed rate product will um, have principal reduction and you will eliminate that debt. So that to me is the number one deciding factor for most consumers. Is it debt consolidation or not? Right. So you as a consumer know how you manage your money. So uh, if you find that you don't tend to pay things in full every month, then fixed rate is probably the better choice for you. If you're the type of person that can save money pretty easily, then the HELOC might be great for you. Um, because of that ability to access funds in the future. You never know when you're going to come across, you know, a great deal, right. uh, something you want to invest in. Uh, you need to pay your kids college. You know, your mom needs help with their heater. And right. that gives you access to those funds. Hey, listen, we're up against it. That's a quick 10 minutes. That was great information. Could you let people know how to get in touch with you, especially about these great products? Sure. Um, so you can reach me at my email address, which is lpreege at springyq.com. And Jeff, do you have my picture up on the screen with my name under it? Yes, we do. And if you want to see that, go okay. to YouTube, The Mortgage Voice, jeffbartonthemortgagevoice.com to see Laurie, and that'll be up uh, this week. Yep, great. Thank you, Laurie. Thanks very much for coming on to the show, and I really appreciate the information. Okay, thanks for having me. Thank you very much. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. We'll be right back. To The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton. We'll be right back with more in just a moment. For more information on today's topic, email Jeff Barton at info at malibufunding.net. Now, back to The Mortgage Voice with your host, Jeff Barton. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Hey, check out our website at themortgagevoice.com. You can go there and find latest on-demand episodes of The Mortgage Voice, information about our guests, as well as their contact information. You can also read my blog. Yes, it's a great blog. Hey, it keeps you updated with what's going on in the mortgage news. So, you know, check it out. And uh, bookmark us, mortgagevoice.com. Jeff Barton, The Mortgage Voice, thank you very much for joining us today for the show. Uh, we've talked about many things uh, to do with real estate, many things to do with what's going on in the mortgage industry. Uh, inventory is extremely low, and where you do have inventory, there is high demand. Uh, one of the people who is going to come on the show today uh, from Malibu Funding uh, Bridgeport Realty and E Condo is uh, Cindy Matthews, and I really appreciate her. Cindy, how are you? I'm good, Jeff. Thanks for asking. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. You're getting over a, a little bout being sick. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Yes, uh, I am. Um, so it's a tough one, but, you know, it's still above ground. That's always a good thing. <laughs> always a good thing, yes. Yes, we wouldn't be having a very good conversation. be very one-sided today if, if it was just that the Absolutely. other way. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's talk a little bit about real estate. I know that um, you are currently in a transaction. You have a product. You're out there selling real estate. Tell us what it's like selling real estate right now in Southern California with inventory so low rather interesting so you've got low inventory but what i'm finding is it's not the frenzy that that there was at one point where people were just falling all over themselves to bid for a property and you know in fear of being uh uh shut out or missing out i, I think as, as they say um so what i'm saying is that, that there is still uh high demand 
but um, it, it's a little different. I think with a lot of the sellers, it's my opinion, what I'm seeing is with a lot of the sellers, the sellers still think, I can, I can command these high, high, high prices because everybody wants that. But that's not the case anymore. It, it, what I'm seeing is where it may start out as a frenzy, but then people almost like they, they switch up and they're like, wait a minute, uh, hold on, let me wait a second. I'm, I'm overpaying for this. This doesn't make any sense. Right. So let's look that I'm seeing. Oh. Um, well, that's we, interesting. We a couple of two listings and, uh, that are coming up shortly. And, uh, one of the properties, we've we're, we're, we're got a lot of interest in it, you know, and especially uh, considering where it's located. But even even with the comps, I'm seeing comps that are just a wide range right. where uh, similar properties, you've got some comps that uh Yeah, it is. Now, some of these properties that you deal with, obviously you deal in Los Angeles as well as uh, some of the beach communities in the South Bay, they call it. Is that right? Yes, yes. Now, do do you find... Specifically, we've got one from Manhattan Beach right now. Oh, I see. So, okay, Manhattan Beach, for people who are not in the Los Angeles area, Manhattan Beach is below the airport in what they call the South Bay. Uh, This is south going towards Orange County. It's a beautiful set of communities. There's Manhattan Beach, there's Hermosa Beach, there's Seal Beach, there's, you know, uh, Long Beach is right in there. So it's a really great place. And there is an eclectic mix of homes. And I guess this particular home uh, doesn't disappoint. Tell us a little about it. Uh, this, this property, um, I think we just took the listing weeks ago. Um, property is up on the hill, so you're actually looking down across other rooftops and onto the water. It's, wow. it's an amazing view on this property. The property is it's a bit of a split level, but when you, when you come up to the front, it looks like this is the house. But it goes way back on the lot, and you can see that it's, um, you know, upstairs, downstairs. It is four bedrooms, three bathrooms, uh, a lot of fruit trees. It's really a lovely, lovely home. And this location really, really is everything. Because to look out that that big window and to see the sun, you know, going down over the water, there's nothing You know, Manhattan Beach has a reputation of being kind of a wild and party city is that right? I mean, I don't know enough about it. I'm too old to, no. to really know. You know what? Might have been that might have been the case some time ago. Uh, where this home is located, it is quiet. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm not going to say it's. Um, well, it's, it's a mix of families. We've got some mature families, some new families. Um, but I, I'm not seeing the party crew that you used to see. You know, back in the early 70s, mid-80s, you know, even maybe further back than that. And and you may have some, some partying during the summer months, but that's going to be right down the water. I so see. These homes are located, you're not seeing, these homes are beautiful, you know, they're multi-million dollar homes, there's no drag racing up there. That's not happening. <laughs> hey, do you like um, um, working with buyers, or do you like working with sellers? I know most agents like sellers. I, I personally like working with buyers just because I don't like the whole listing process. But what what, what is your preference? I, my, my preference actually is it's buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, buyers typically know, you know what they want. Uh, a lot of them are, are reasonable. But some sellers, I, I'll find 
colors that, you know, having that old car that they really, really love. Yep. They feel that it's worth, you know, $100 million. So <laughs> so in fact, it's only worth about 1000 Right, right. And so it's tough to get them to see, hey, I know that you think that you can get this, you know, for your property, but that's not realistic. So I, I've run across a lot of that in the last, uh, I'd say, year and a half where sellers think that they're is worth more, and, and, and I get it, you know, you love your, your house, and you know, stock down the street got, you know, X amount of dollars, but when you compare apples to apples, you know, the guy down the street did a full makeover, right. and your house inside is still circa 1980, you know, 89. Right. So it's a big difference, and sometimes it's very difficult to get this, or, you know, you can't expect to get this. They, they did this over here, and you've got nothing. So... You can't expect that. I mean, recently I had a, uh, a sale that it, it was not completed. The appraisal came in $30,000 less, and the buyer would not book. Said no right. The seller, on the other hand, felt that they, they should have gotten the money at other agent, not to speak all of it. They said, well, I'm so because, because I looked at the same Cindy, I'm losing so, you a little bit here. I don't know if you're hearing me well, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm still okay. Okay, okay. So so basically, the seller wanted the thirty thousand, even though it wasn't negotiated. How do you handle that when it's not negotiated? Do you just try to go back to the table, or in this case, I guess your buyer just walked. In this case, the buyer walked. Right. If if he had a better property, I would have suggested, you know what? Look, you know what? While I don't suggest paying more than what property is worth now. If it's a little bit more and it's worth it, you know, you're going to see that bump, in, you know, or that increase in value in a short period of time. Yeah, I, I, I would say go ahead and, and offer a little more. But in this case, it absolutely was not worth it at all. They, they were, the sellers that the pay for unnecessary. Let me ask you a question. Did, this, did the property sell yet? They took it off the market. Oh, they took it off the market. Yeah, that, you know, I think there's a lot of sellers out there right now who are negotiating if the value of the house comes in, the appraisal comes in below the asking price, that the buyer is willing to either pay more or they've negotiated a price beyond that. Or, you know, usually a lot, a lot of times that's taken care of up front. But in this particular case, yeah. I guess the seller thought that, you know, he, he had the property that uh, would sell and do everything. Well, the agent also was not from the area, and I so see. the agent was not that familiar uh, with the area, and so what they were using for comps, they really should not have been. I see. They just picked out of the area. Cindy, we're up against the clock. If you could tell people how to get a hold of you, uh, especially for an agent down in the Los Angeles area, that'd be awesome. Yep. Well, I, I handle Los Angeles and uh, Orange County and Riverside counties as well. Oh, okay. Um, I can be reached. Um, I work uh, specifically at the econ.com. Uh, my cell is 949-433-7009, and I'm happy to help you with whatever the state needs might be. Thank or you. even if you just have a couple of questions. Thank you very much, Cindy, for coming on the show. Great interview, and thank you very much for telling us your secrets to trying to be a successful agent out there. A lot of people need a good agent, and you're one of them. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. And you have a great day, too. That's Cindy Matthews from eCondo. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton. 
We'll be right back with more in just a moment. For more information on today's topic, email Jeff Barton at info at malibufunding.net. Now, back to The Mortgage Voice with your host, Jeff Barton. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Thanks very much for tuning into the show. Thanks very much for coming on each and every week to listen to us talk to you about what's going on in the world, the world events that are going to shape what you make decisions of buying and selling a property. I know that's a big bridge to get from here to there, but if you understand the macro, you can certainly see why it affects what happens here, mortgage, uh, the mortgage rates, the demand for money, where is the money, where's the money come from, what happens when the Fed raises interest rates? What happens when uh, the demand for services decreases and then inflation drops? What's going to happen this year and what's going to happen in the future? Nobody can predict. But we can basically say that certain things uh, being done either by the Fed or by the federal government or by your employer are going to affect your decision to be able to buy and sell property. It's just that simple. If you're making more this year than you did last year, but the housing has gone up 20%, you're probably not going to afford it. However, if housing can calm down, if we can calm down the housing by lessening demand and increasing the amount of product on the market, we will see an ability by which first-time homebuyers can get back into the marketplace. Now, certain cities and areas around the country, no, that's not going to happen right now. It's not going to happen in the next two or three years. But in other places where the um, the people, the rich people from California who sold their house and moved to Las Vegas drove that market up and insane. Same thing happened in Texas. Same thing is happening down in Arizona. But there are places in this country where $250,000 can still buy you a nice three-bedroom house on an acre lot. Where are these places? A lot in the southeast, certainly in the Midwest. If you go to uh, any place in Indiana, Idaho, um, oh yeah, Idaho too, but in Indiana, Illinois, and Iowa, you're going to find some great properties. Now, you may not want to live there at the moment, but they're beautiful places, places which you can settle down, especially with remote work. They're all good opportunities and good places to go. Let's continue a little bit with some additional information, uh, which I, okay, Redfin. Redfin buys Bay Equity, and they lay off 121 people. Redfin, if anybody knows who Redfin is, it's a company that does mortgages online. They try to do a pretty much virtual loan for you in order to get uh, you a cheaper rate and cheaper costs, uh, but they're laying off 121 people. Uh, we talked earlier segment, Wyndham Capital, Better.com, Interfirst, all those i-buying companies, they all laid off people. There are companies, as I said in an earlier segment, that are hiring. The non-QM people are hiring. So the shuffle in the mortgage industry will continue, although we still can see, we still see uh, over 53% of the market is still refi. So refis are still out there. 50-50 mix is pretty good. We will see per, uh, purchases overtake that when interest rate rise. But even if interest, rate rise, interest rates rise to 4%, 4% historically is one of the lowest rates ever. Now, Obviously, somebody who has a 2.75% 30-year fixed is not going to refi into a 4% loan unless the equity in their home they want to tap into, invest, or pay for college, or some medical expense. Yes, they will probably get out. Now, we had earlier uh, uh, on the show, uh, Lori Preege. Uh, from Spring EQ. She talked about home equity lines of credit. She talked about second second mortgages, i.e. keeping your 2.75% loan uh, on their property and then taking out a home equity line of credit. Uh, she did say that the um, uh, 
the interest rates are pretty steady on that product. It's a different pool of investors, she said. And that's true. You don't sell those seconds to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or Ginnie Mae. You just don't. These are uh, private investors. Uh, a lot of people say, okay, well, who is buying these non-QM uh, loans. Now, we're going to see non-QM expand from uh, currently about 10 to 15 percent of the market up to 25, 30 percent of the market because of the fact uh, that you're going to have uh, people who cannot afford or qualify for a loan on a conventional loan. So they're willing to pay another point on their loan uh, to get a non-QM loan. And uh, where are those people selling the loans? Where are the people who run the non-QM shops, whether it be Angel Oak or Arc or Citadel or any number of different companies that now offer non-QM loans, whether it be Nations Direct or, uh, I don't know, LoanStream? There's just many, many, many lenders out there who are now offering that product. Well, there are individual funds that uh, uh, pension funds um, let's see uh, sovereign funds insurance funds hedge funds all of these large quantities of money which by the way are looking for better return on their dollar than they have been getting and uh, with interest rates rising we're going to see money pulled out of the stock market because it's going to ch have a chilling effect and anybody who has money tied up in a pension fund in the stock market will tell you right now they're a little bit nervous why because the market over the last week has dropped about five six hundred points now few days they've come back a little bit but we're going to see volatility in the stock market i.e you're not going to be seeing the returns we've seen over the last three four years because fed is getting out of the free money business and i think that's a good thing long term there are differences with the way the fed is handling it western europe is handling it whether it's the bank of england or whether it's um uh lagrange at uh uh, the bank of what is it the ecb the european union bank eub something like that there are, okay, in China, what's happening? Now, I talk about China a lot. Why? Because I think being the biggest economy in the world, people say they aren't, they're second biggest, whatever. What I think is that they have the potential growth and the, the consumer base and now the broadening middle class to really ramp up their particular purchasing power, which is really all GDP really is. It's the amount of goods and services purchased uh, in your market, in your country. Uh, during a particular day, year, month, whatever it is. I think China itself has that potential, and because of what they do really affects what happens around the world. So in China, we've had this real estate um, really disaster going on where most of the real estate builders, there's 25, 30 of them, uh, about half to three-quarters of them are, are going BK or really in trouble because they can't pay back the money that they borrowed to continue building. Now, they brought China from an agrarian society to you know, a very modern society, especially for this burgeoning middle class. I say burgeoning because it's a term I hear. I don't even know what it means. But what it means, there is growth in the middle class. And in China, what that meant is they all wanted to buy a house. They wanted to own property. And owning property is, as we know in the U.S., the only way that you can get from being very poor to actually doing quite well because the equity in your home keeps rising. So these builders went went bust and they're going bust and they're trying to figure out how to stave off um, uh, lawsuits revolts by people who are, have purchased homes that they're not getting built uh, we talked evergreen evergrand uh, any number of them that we've talked about what happened is the chinese decided instead of tightening credit because they were worried about inflation no they loosened credit because they were worried about growth now, their approach to what's happening during the pandemic has been similar to what's happening in the West until now. The West has decided that the inflationary pressures on 
people's lives in democratic countries is so great that they have to do something about it so that they get either reelected or that you know people aren't rioting in the streets well in china it's completely the opposite the government really relaxing their lending standards relaxing the ability or i mean the uh, requirements on banks to continue to to con can't even speak to keep a certain amount of money in their bank vaults allows a lessening of pressure on those people that need to continue to borrow money in order to prop up these real estate um, development country companies and we're talking trillions of dollars worth of debt so what what does that mean we have a divergent path we have a loosening of credit in china and we have a tightening of credit in the u.s and in europe what's going to happen if COVID continues on its current path if it lessens like it has been doing in the u.s in new york city it's down half of what it was uh three four weeks ago so does that mean that the country is going to come out of COVID soon and we're back to business to way way before in 2019 when there was no COVID? Uh, does it mean that in china itself that these loosening of the monetary policies will let uh the builders um extend their credit so that the people who need housing continue to get housing and that particular sector funnels um, more housing in order to keep growth happening in china these are important details to know because at this divergent the issue here is what does that mean for me tightening credit means it's harder to get a loan that's a bad thing but it'll cool economy and slow inflation in China, just the opposite. A lot of very, very interesting stuff. Good things to watch, too, because if China folds, which is why I don't think they're going to, um, we're all in trouble because there's a lot of money in China, and China really makes most of the products in the U.S., as everyone knows. I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Love having you come and listen to the show on an each and every week basis. Appreciate it. And we'll be right back. You're listening to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton. We'll be right back with more in just a moment. For more information on today's topic, email Jeff Barton at info at malibufunding.net. Now, back to The Mortgage Voice with your host, Jeff Barton. Hi, I'm Jeff Barton, your voice in the mortgage industry. Thanks for tuning in. Check out our website at themortgagevoice.com. Brand new website, looking good, lots of great guests. Go see it. Go see the person that you just heard on the radio. See what they look like. Find out how to reach them. There is a way that you can find our latest on-demand episodes of The Mortgage Voice on themortgagevoice.com and information about our guests as well as their contact information, as I just said. You can also read my blog, which keeps you updated with the very latest mortgage news. Check it out and bookmark us. That's themortgagevoice.com. Again, thanks for tuning in and thanks for listening. All right, let's get right to news to use in the news to use section. Rates. I'm going to look at three days in a row and what the rates have been doing. Now, I told you maybe earlier in the show or during the show, uh, rates have been moving up. Obviously, the mortgage interest rates are going up because uh, everybody expects them to go up. The 10 years going up and regular lending, short-term lending by the Fed has increased or will increase. And they're all saying in March, but at the same time, probably sooner. It's all due to inflation. They're trying to curb inflation. Okay, so let's look at the last three days. Three days ago, 3.7, 3.7 yesterday, and 3.69 is the 30-year fixed rate. So you can see once we reached this level, it's been that way all week. And why has it been that way all week? Because we're going to get incremental rises. We're not going to just see a steady sail of the ship up the river. No, we're going to see 
the way that these interest rates look today and all week for a while. We saw a great sh uh, shooting up of the interest rate at the start of January. Probably went up a half a point. But it'll probably stay here for a while. And that just seems to be the way it's either gone up or down over the past couple of years. So the 15 years at 2.95, been that way for three, day, three, day, three days. Excuse me. Uh, FHA is 3.33. The jumbo is at 3.34. 3.62 is the 5 1 arm. Okay, so now we talked 10 years, right? The 10 year, three days ago, 1.861. Yesterday, 1.83. Today, 1.83. So all of this tells you that the 10 year is also in that same pattern where it has risen quickly. It even reached over 2.2% uh, um, in terms of the yield they pay, but it settled back down into this 1.83. Now it's busted out of that range that we talked about all last year, point. 3.3 all the way up to 1.77. So it's a little bit above that range. We don't know how far above. We do expect it to continue because people are looking for better bargains uh, to make money uh, than sinking their money into the treasuries. And therefore, you know, when you sink your money into long-term treasuries and there is high inflation, you're losing money. So you're looking for a quicker um, return on your money, something that the inflation can't hurt as much, which is why they look at the two-year. When you're looking at the two-year at about, I don't know, almost a point, it's a point eight three, uh, 83 basis points uh, that you get after a two-year investment. When those lines cross, they call that a yield inversion, and that's a bad thing. When the two-year is paying more than the, the uh, fifth. More than the 10-year, that's a problem for the markets. Hasn't happened uh, for a few months, but when it does happen, that's usually a sign of recessionary pressures. So these are all things on economists' mind. And for you, if you're out there and you're trying to figure out, okay, do I lock this rate today? I would say absolutely yes, because we're just not quite sure how the economy is going to respond to the higher interest rates and um, some of the other things happening within the economy. Okay. Another use to use, supply and labor. We're talking about the building industry. Now, we've got an enormous amount of permits being pulled and uh, housing starts starting, and that's a good thing. However, there are, there are problems with the supply of raw materials, the supply of things you need to build your house, nails, shingles, two-by-fours. Mm, I think I talked about it. I certainly talked about it on the Daily Show. Uh, the price of 1,000 cubic feet of lumber has gone up. It's now at $1,200. Last year at the peak, it was at $1,600, but it went all the way down to $400. So we've, we're seeing now a resurgence of issues with um, supply of certain building products, and that's a problem for the building industry. Labor itself is also a problem. You have to pay a premium to get people to come to work, stay at work, and to continue working. Therefore, inflation on the houses that you're going to have to pay is both um, due to the supply issues, but also due to the labor issues. Now, this happened before. If anybody remembers 2004, 5, and 6, when you know, across the country, labor crews were just rolling through track after track after track. It was really hard, especially in places like uh, Phoenix, um, Scottsdale, Las Vegas, Nevada, some parts of Utah, certainly down in Florida where they were building condos, Michigan, a bunch of other places. They were having real problems keeping crews. So they would have to basically keep them working almost on three shifts a day just in order to keep them not only on the job site, but to make sure that their product got built. Well, we're going through a similar phase. This phase has to do more with, hey, I need to make more money 
or I don't want to go back to work because I don't, you know, I'm, I'm afraid of COVID. There's all kinds of things going on, but those two pressures is what's causing the housing uh, shortage to continue. Uh, if you're looking at inventory across the country, it is at the lowest point in the history of keeping these statistics. Let me just find that statistic here, and I will let you know. Okay. The unemployment rate, yep, yeah, mortgage interest rate, right, both under 4%. Foreclosures down 29% from 20. Refi remaining at 53% of the market. Yep, yeah, all that's good. Where is this stat I'm looking for? Um, okay, the okay, that, that's a different thing. Anyway, let's just move on to a different thing. I can't find the statistic. The average loan size. Guess what the average loan size in the U.S. is now? Record. 500,000. 418,000 and you can imagine if you're listening to me and you're down in Albuquerque or you're up in uh, Tahoe or maybe even some parts of Vegas and you hear that number you say yep that's the way it is around here but two three years ago that wouldn't have been close you would you would be struggling to find $300,000 in Las Vegas at that time and I believe 250 down in Albuquerque at that time but not anymore the demand is high the inventory is low and we still see prices going up that, too, is inflation, by the way, and it's all brought about by a lack of housing, which I just explained. There is reasons why we don't have housing filled, but this is a 10-year problem that has been going on since the last recession in 2008. Builders are scarce and scared, and they never want to get caught like they caught then, where they had track after track ready to build, but the economy fell out uh, from under them, and there was no longer demand, and they just... <laughs> They went, a lot of them lost a ton of dough. So they usually build upon demand. I have a friend whose son is building, is buying a home up in Colorado upon demand. Deposits, picking out uh, different things that you're going to have in your house, the wood flooring, the design of the windows, the, the, all the things, the, the appliances in the kitchen, that all gets picked out and prepaid prior to building the house. Different way to do it. It's kind of what the car companies went to a couple of years ago. Make sure that they don't get stuck with inventory that they can't sell because their marketing department was wrong when they decided, hey, the Edsel is a great thing to, to build and sell. Well, it's not. And for those of you who don't know what the Edsel is, look it up. Non-QM lending hiring. Okay. There, we, now, we talked about several different lenders, the I-buying people who would buy a house, fix it up, and sell it. We talked about how Zillow got out of that business entirely, and there were three other companies that were in that business. That's, that model seems to have soured, and they laid off a lot of different people. Well, non-QM lending, which is uh, non-agency lending, non-Freddie, non-Freddie, non-Fannie loans, um, they're hiring. And who are some of these companies? Angel Oak, Arca, NuFi, they're all hiring. I saw on... Uh, Mortgage News Daily, about 130 loan officers they're looking for. These are now, the non-QM market, everybody expects that market to grow. Why? Because as it gets tighter and tighter to borrow money from traditional lenders, traditional brokers, and banks, the non-QM market does not have the end seller or the person they sell the loans to the same as Fedi and Fannie loans that you would do in the conventional market. So those markets are hungry for loans. They're the, the market that buys those are insurance funds, they're sovereign funds, they're uh, hedge funds, they're Wall Street. There's a lot of money out there still looking for better returns than you can get in a traditional mortgage-backed security. So what do they do? They look for a little bit better. You're going to pay probably a point, three quarters to a point and a quarter more on these types of loans, but they are loans like bank statement loans. 
um, DSCR, which means that you can buy a house and use the rent you're going to get as a qualifier for the loan. We talk about that all the time on the show, and we will talk about it again today, or have talked about it again today. Sorry about that. Anyway, I'm Jeff Barton. Thank you for listening to the show. Really appreciate it. We will see you next time. You're listening to The Mortgage Voice with Jeff Barton. For more on today's topic, visit www.malibufunding.net.